we thank God so much for yet another time as this with him. It's always good to be back. It's good to be back. No prayer. No oh, no prayer. No and in prayer, in prayer, the word. Oh, the word. And then which other? Vessels. Vessels. Love. Service. And then the other one. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, you know. I, I saved the best for the last. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah. Tonight. Yes, it looks like I left one in. Organa. Organa. Just the bee. Tonight, likewise, I bring you greetings from the society in the house as well. We, we, we. We Then which other group? BB. Oh, BB. And then uh, which one? All protocol observed. Oh. <laughs> so I'd want to thank the leaders of the house for inviting me here to minister this evening. I salute the prayer board executives and the assistant executives. LEG, I salute you all. Quickly turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, down to 7. And there's sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the word of Abel. Ambassadors, into the hands of the Lord. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus. That as we get ready to listen to your word, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare us, O oh Lord, prepare us, O oh Lord. Come on, church, let me hear you pray. Lift up your voice, somebody, lift up your voice, somebody. Pray, commit your heart into the hands of the Lord. Bible says that the heart of a king is in the hands of the Lord. And like rivers of living water, he turns them wheresoever he desires. He turns them wheresoever he desires. He turns them wheresoever he desires. He turns them wheresoever he desires.
let the heavens be opened unto us tonight let burdens be lifted off tonight let great grace be released unto us tonight let there be impartation of giftings tonight let there be a stirring up of giftings tonight come on come on come on come on Tonight's encounter shall not be like any ordinary. In the name of Jesus. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you for your mighty presence in our midst. Father, we pray, committing everyone in this auditorium into your hands. Father, oh God, bless us that indeed we may be blessed and be impacted by your word tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And the saints will shout, Amen. Associates around, I see you and I salute you all. Associates, I salute you all. Tonight, we are looking at the edifying works of the Spirit the edifying works of the Spirit. And as we read from the epistle written by Paul to the church of the Corinth, we get to understand that for every letter that is written, there seems to be a background behind why the letter was written. So let's quickly have a look at the background and the reason for which the Apostle Paul wrote this epistle. We get to understand that this epistle happens to be written to this church that was very, very spiritual. The church of Corinth was very, very spiritual, yet immoral. One, they were spiritual. Two, they were very, very immoral. And then the third thing was that the church was divided. Watch this. It was in this book that Paul said that, listen, I've heard that indeed some people say that I am for Apollos. Others are saying that I am for Paul. And now Paul writes to them and then tells them that, come on church, whether you be for Apollos or you be for I, Paul, this is it. I, Paul, sow the seed. Apollos watered. But then the increases of, of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now he goes further and then addresses the issue of immorality. No, whenever the church is blessed with spiritual gifts, what happens is that if the gifts are not managed, it brings division. 
in this church of Corinthians, you got to understand that because everyone seemed to be gifted, everyone was bossy. And so that brought about the division in the church. So upon the division coming in, every sect decided to get their own doctrines to suit them. And so gradually, 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 immorality, filthiness, drunkenness, and all forms of behavior and acts were entering the church gradually. And so Paul wrote this epistle to them on the basis that he needs to clarify to them the ethics of Christianity and then ensure that he polishes their doctrine. So fast forward. Let's then consider our uncle's scripture. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 6 verse 4 down to 7. Still on our topic, the edifying works of the Holy Spirit. Let's move a step further and now begin to define our terms so that our understanding will be enlightened. Hallelujah. For the purpose of our, our teaching tonight, to edify, it means that to build up, to build, to increase, to expand, or to grow. To build, to increase, to expand, or to grow. I know when I said to build, those of us who are having a civil engineering background, those of us with um, building technology background, quantity background, I'm sure all that you are thinking about was cement, mortar, and then uh, what's it called? Iron rods and so on and so forth. Please, that's not what we are looking at. We are looking at growth. We are looking at increase. We are looking at expansion. Then the next term in our topic happens to be works. Works. By works, we are also looking at the acts or deeds. The acts or deeds of individuals in the church or even as a unit collectively. Then again, the last term happens to be spirit. Spirit. Whenever the Bible talks of spirit, there are three main entities that come into mind. The first one is the father of all spirits. Genesis 1 verse 2. We get to understand that in the beginning, there was darkness upon the surface of the earth, and the Spirit of the Lord brooded over the, the, the waters of the deep. Then again, we get to understand that this same Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, in the book of Acts, then fell upon the disciples. There, in the book of Acts chapter 2, is then acknowledged as the Holy Ghost. Fast forward. Then we enter and get to First John chapter 5 verse 7 there and then we get to know that he's indeed part of the trinity but the bible says that there are three that bear witness in heaven there are three that bear witness in heaven it says that the father, the word and then the spirit, hallelujah so the holy spirit then is part of the trinity he's the father of all spirits that is the first kind of spirit that the bible talks about the second kind of spirit that the Bible talks about is evil or unclean spirit. Remember in Mark chapter 5, there was this madman at Gadara. Bible says that whenever the, 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 the devils, the devil or the, the evil spirits within him begins to, you know, manifest, this man takes up rods and begins to cut himself. Why? Because he is possessed by 
evil spirit. Then fast forward, we understand in the book of Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, that when Jesus then came after he had, you know, left them to go and pray, there was a man who had brought his son to the disciples for them to deliver the, his son from the evil spirit that was possessing the, 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 the son. But then as hard as they tried, they couldn't exorcise the spirit. But then when Jesus came into the scene, he was able to exercise the spirit. And then in so doing, he told them that how be it, such kind goeth not, except by fasting and prayers. So that is the second type, the evil spirit. And then the third type of spirit that the Bible refers to happens to be the spirit of man. The spirit of man. Here, in the book of Genesis 1 verse 27, there again we get to understand that God created man. Then in chapter 2, he formed man and breathed into man. And then man became a living soul. Then this is confirmed by, by Paul in First Thessalonians 5 verse 23. As he addresses it, that it says that, Indeed, may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray that your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless now and unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So, upon identifying and, and understanding the various terms, let us then put them together and see what we are actually trying to drive home and what we stand to gain at the end of our teaching service. So first, we've got to understand that we are looking at to edify, meaning that to build, to grow, or to increase. Then we've got to understand that apart from edifying means to, to grow, to build, and then to increase, we're also understanding that the works also means that the acts or deeds. Then finally, the spirit, we're also referring to the Holy Spirit. So we are looking at how the Holy Spirit then equips us as individuals, unit, and collectively as a, as a body to do the work of him, God. I hope we are clear. So how does the Holy Spirit then equip us as individuals or collectively to do the work of God? Hallelujah. Listen, the body of Christ, for God to edify us, he does it individually or collectively. When the Bible talks of the body of Christ, it is another name given to the church. But in the book of Acts, we get to understand that when you talk of the church, we are making reference to Ecclesia. Ecclesia is spelled E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. Ecclesia. By Ecclesia, we mean the gathering, the assembly of the saints. So for us to gather here as ambassadors, we are Ecclesia. We are called the church. So another name for Ecclesia, that is the church, happens to be the body of Christ. But then primarily, when we talk of the church, you are looking at two types here. First one has to do with the church triumphant and then the church militant. That is why as Methodists we sing head of thy church triumphant. This is very scriptural. In the book of Revelation chapter 6 verse 10, we get to understand that there is indeed a church in heaven. This church isn't Methodist. Neither is the church Anglican. The church meaning that a group of Christians these are people who died as a result of their faith or they went through their faith and then they were transited from life into eternity 
So these people who are gathered up in the heavens, those are called the church triumphant. And those of us who are still doing the work of God, still laboring in the house of the Lord, we are also called the church militant. And so Paul then says that, he says to Timothy, he says that Timothy, as a good soldier of the Lord, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he says that as a good soldier of the Lord, endure hardship. Then he moves on to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. There and then he tells the church that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but then against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. And therefore, we need to put on the whole armor. Armor is put on by military men. And so another name for the church, as I said, appears to be an army. Then apart from an army, the church is also referred to as a bride. That is why when we read the book of Matthew, verse 15, the Bible then talks about the ten virgins and how that in the coming of our Lord, some will be prepared and some will not be prepared. So another name for the, the, the church happens to be the bride. The third name for the church, I'm trying to let you understand so that when we begin to zoom in, you wouldn't get lost. Hallelujah. I hope you are following me. All right. So another name for the church, apart from one army, as I said, there are two main groups, the church triumphant, the church militant. Then under the church militant, you have one, the army. Two is the bride. Three is the body of Christ. So the body of Christ, that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. He says that, yes, we all can't be the body, but then one person is a member, and then together we form a body. All right? Now we move on. Apart from army, apart from body, apart from bride, the next thing is that the church is also a school. The church is also a school. That's how come we have Sunday school within, within our system as Methodists. You know something? Bible says that in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 42, it is said that after the day of Pentecost and they went out to evangelize, the souls that were won, the Bible said and that they continued in the teachings of the apostles, one in doctrine, two in fellowship, three in the breaking of bread, and four in prayer. So meaning that while they were there, they were being schooled. And so Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4 that, have you not learned Christ? So for us as Christians, as a body, we need to learn Christ. And so the church in itself happens to be a school. Then the final one that I want to share with us is that the church is also a vineyard. A vineyard. In that Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says that I am the vine, ye are the branches. And then every branch that doesn't bear fruit, I'll purge it off. And then it didn't end there. It says that the branch that is purged off, people will come and take it and then will be used as fire. So this is metamorphosis metaphorical hallelujah hallelujah oh hallelujah it is what praise the lord so it is metaphorical yes so on this premises let's then work it out see work it out how does the holy spirit edify the body of christ so we've gotten to understand that here we are looking at it as individuals and as collectively. So that the body of Christ would then be that one person is the hand, the other is the head. But then collectively, Ecclesia, we are a body. Alright? So we are moving on. So how then does he do this? The first one is through prayer. 
First one, through prayer. A prayerless church is a powerless church. The same way a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. That is how come the, the devil would allow you to watch series, Korean series. And the Korean series, I wonder where they get the, the gentlemen from. They are so handsome. Do I, do I have witnesses to this? Oh, do I have witnesses to this? Thank you. The guys are so handsome. So by the time you start watching, you watch and watch and watch and watch. But then you know something. The devil will do everything to keep you active, but not to pray. And so every time you can watch movies, you can visit friends, you can cook, you can wash, you can sleep. But then the very moment you begin to pray, then then you begin to yawn. Go like hola bahasha. Oh Father, we thank you. Ha. Why? Because when you begin to pray, you possess power. Edification of the church as individuals comes with prayer and also collectively comes with prayer. Don't forget that in Acts chapter 2, the church was birthed out of prayer. And, and because of this, the enemy understands this very well and so he will do everything else than to keep you from praying. And so in Romans 8, 26, it says that we do not know how to pray, but the Spirit himself prays, he prays for us with intercession, in intercessions such that when groanings that cannot be uttered. And then Jude 1.20 says that building up yourself in your most holy faith, which is praying in the Holy Ghost. So this is what happens. When it comes to every program in the church, attendance will be higher than atmosphere. Prayer secretaries, two of us. LEG, two of us. Prayer board, two of us. DG, two of us. Thank you. Why? Because when it comes to prayer, there is edification. And as I said, edification brings growth. It brings increase. It brings expansion. And then the church is built up. And in so doing, the enemy will do everything to prevent you from praying. Now let's move on. The second way in which the Spirit of God edifies the church is by blessing us with diverse gifts and graces. By blessing us with diverse gifts and graces. So from our uncle scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, down to 10, we get to understand that yes, there are diverse gifts to some that, to some this, to some that. But then watch this. A gift simply means something that you got for free. But then depending on how and where you get it, it has several names. So in the, in the, in the work or in the job industry, we call it bonus. Meaning that it's, you know, after you've been paid and all that, and then you're given a bonus. Similarly, when we, you want to um, go to, let's say, an orphanage home, and then you present unto them a gift. They call it a donation or charity. All right? The same thing. Those of us who went to college schools, you'd realize that during the mass, the, the members or the congregants would bring items and then they present it to the, the father or the minister. And then they said it's a gift offering. So depending on the giver of the gift and where it's being given, 
that's how come gifts are you know differentiated one from the other and so even on christmas when people bring you a hamper they call it a present or maybe on your birthday they call it a present meanwhile it's still a gift but then let's say in a hotel in a, in a pub or wherever you find yourself after um, paying for whatever you 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 whatever service and then um, you decide to give the change off to the one who served you it, it is then called a tip Ghana we call it tip call it tip or dash say he dashed me money he did that, he did that. so gifts Paul then describes it in first Corinthians 12 that spiritual gifts this is because the giver of the gift is a spirit church I, I hope you are getting me the giver of the gift is a spirit and because the giver is a spirit he cannot give you something that will benefit your body at the expense of your spirit and so he gives you a gift that has a spiritual bearing and then a replication effect on the soul and on the body so the second thing that the holy spirit uses in edifying the church is by blessing us with diverse gifts and graces so let's look at graces when we also talk of graces three things also come into mind the first thing to understand is that when i ask you how are you doing you say oh by the grace of god were you able to do the the, the exam oh it, it went well by the grace of god how were you able to sail through oh by the grace of god so look at these three instances the first one how are you doing by the grace of god here we are looking in, we are looking at the enabling power the enabling power so one grace is the enabling power enabling power from ephesians 3 verse 7 we get to understand that paul said wherefore i was able to minister as a result of the gift of the grace of god so the grace of god gives it gave Paul the enabling power so that he could minister then the second one is that grace happens to be unmerited favor and so i ask you oh how did this thing happen i don't know it's by the grace of god meaning that it was favor and so for this we get this from genesis chapter 6 verse 8 bible says that and lower found favor in the sight of god look at it you realize that it's grace that we are talking about there and the last thing when, when we make mention of grace is that grace is also a person and the person is jesus hallelujah when you read ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 we get to understand that for by grace it's rather 6 says for by grace are you saved not of your works lest any man should boast for it is the gift of god to mankind for by grace for by grace are you saved but then we we all know that salvation is through one man that is through jesus christ but here paul says that for by grace are we saved then it, it stands to reason that grace is then a person and the person is our lord jesus hallelujah then the third thing that the holy spirit does in edifying the church is that he convicts us of our sins he convicts us of our sins 
modern day Christianity, I, I really do not know where this doctrine came from. That as a Christian, you don't sin. It is true, but not entirely true. It is true because as a, as a Christian, you are not a sinner. Because you've passed on from death into light. That is very true. But then when you read First John chapter 2, verse 1, it says that, My dear children, these things I write to you, that you sin not. That you sin not. So as a Christian, you are not supposed to sin. For that one, yes. But then he continues and says that even if you sin, there is an advocate. So, at times in prayer, when we begin to pray, then and then we, we, we begin to see pictures, images, where the Lord is trying to remind us of the, 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 the naughty videos we saw, the, the filthy words we said, the wrongdoings we did, and so on and so forth. But then we, we tend to think that it's rather the devil who is attacking us and preventing us from praying. And so we say, oh, I'll bind you, oh demon, and I'll bind you, oh devil. But then what actually we are doing is that we are binding the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is supposed to convict you of your sins and put you on the right path. But then modern day Christians and I just don't know how this doctrine came about that as a Christian you don't sin and then they, they, they say you, you err you make mistakes so, so when you make mistakes what then is this what then is it is it, is it a sin or, you, or is it that now it's, it's, it's an error so what then do you do the bottom line is that you need to ask for forgiveness of sins. And so the Holy Spirit then convicts you of your sins so that he shall remind you of all things. So he reminds you of the things you did wrong so that you can go back to the Lord with all sincerity and ask for forgiveness. So the thing that the Lord does, the third thing is that he convicts us of our sins. So as a Christian, you are above sin but not beyond sinning. You are above sin but then you are not beyond sinning. And so whenever you sin, don't, be, don't, don't feel so down. Nonetheless, ensure you don't sin. But then even if you sin, there's an advocate. Hallelujah. The next thing, I want to share five of them with you. The next thing is that he teaches us and helps us to unravel mysteries in the kingdom. He teaches us and helps us to unravel mysteries in the kingdom. These are this is the fourth thing that I'm, I'm sharing with you on how the Holy Spirit edifies the body of Christ. He teaches us and helps us to unravel mysteries in the kingdom. In Proverbs 25 verse 2, we get to understand that God glories in concealing things, but then it is yet again a glory for kings to search it out. Then in John chapter 16 verse 13, what happens there is that it says that when the spirit of truth comes, he shall lead you into all truth. Meaning that in Christianity, there are deeper depths. There are higher heights. There are things that we really need to know. Because Jesus said that I am living and I am sending you a comforter who shall be with you always and he shall teach you all things. He said that there are lots of things that I would want to teach you. But then at this time, I can't teach you all of them. So I'll leave you in the hands of the Spirit. And the Spirit will teach you all things. So, the Spirit of God edifies the body of Christ as individuals collectively by teaching us mysteries of the kingdom. 
the fifth one is that he blesses us with the fruits of the spirit he blesses us with the fruit, fruits of the spirit in Galatians 5:22 Paul lists the group the the, the gifts of the, uh, the fruits of the spirit there he begins to list them love hope patience so on and so on and so forth listen as a, as a believer and as a Christian one way in which the, the spirit of God will edify you is by bearing these fruits the difference between you and an unbeliever happens to be that when we are pushed to the wall how you react brings out the differences if you are pushed to the wall and then you react the same way as the unbeliever would react then there is no difference between us and so the Holy Spirit then helps us by helping us to bear the fruits of the Spirit and so in Romans 5 verse 3 to 5 Paul talks about that he said glory and tribulation knowing very well that your tribulation is working for you patience then patience will give you experience and experience will give you hope so that hope is the love hope is shed abroad in our hearts with the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts and so the fifth one that I want to share with us is that is that it, bless, it blesses us with the fruit of the spirit let's move on while I was speaking concerning the first point which happens to be how the spirit of God edifies the body of Christ I made mention of by blessing us with gifts and graces so how then does a believer receive a gift or, a, or, a, or grace and how then do we manifest it how then do we show it how then is it demonstrated let's quickly have a look at this one too the first one from 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 is that we need to desire the gift you need to desire the gift one would wonder how then do you desire a gift I always answer this question by saying that just crash on the gift hallelujah crash on the gift the same way when you are crashing on someone I remember those days no, I wouldn't say we used to. No, I wouldn't say we used to. Those days, when people were crashing on people, they, they, they used to go for their lecture notes, even though they, they are studying different programs. They go, and then they go for their lecture notes. Meanwhile, they are studying different programs. Why? Because they desire, they long to be with a person. And so every means possible so that they, they, they could just get closer to the person is what they would take. And so this is it. Whenever you desire a gift, let's say someone is having a gift of healing and, and you do want to be blessed with this gift, the first thing for you to do is that you need to desire that gift. From afar, they begin to picture, oh, the same way you picture you and, and the one you are crashing on or your grabby that you'll be in Bahamas Bahamas you are by the beach in a sunny sunny day then you are, you are just resting on the beach that's the same way you need to desire the gift of, of God desire such that you see yourself manifesting the gift see yourself beginning to manifest the gift the second way in which a believer can receive a gift is by impartation by impartation impartation 
our hands happens to be one of the portals into our spirit. And so Paul says that, he says to the, the Roman church, that I long that I may come unto you, that I may impact unto you some spiritual gifts. And, it, and then he says unto Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.14, that neglect not the gifts that were imparted unto you by, by the word of prophecy and by the laying on of hands. With this, the Englishman, I don't know whether they caught the revelation, and then, and then they said that to grease one's palm, meaning that you bribe your way through, and then you get things faster. Okay, so one of the, the means in which gifts could be received is through impartation. And so Paul then tells Timothy that Timothy, do not be so swift in laying hands. Why? Because whenever hands are laid on you, there's a transfer. By transfer means that you pick up some things and you also deposit some things. And so there are some people that in their quest to find God, they ended up being possessed by evil spirits. They had a genuine heart. They had a clean, you know, heart concern that they wanted to see God. They wanted to find God. But then in their quest to do these things, by partitions upon partitions, today they are here, today they are there. And in so doing, they, they rather got a different spirit aside the, 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 the spirit of God. And so the second means happens to be impartation. The third one that I want to share with us is that gifts are also received by honoring or reverencing people that are gifted. By honoring or reverencing people that are gifted. In the book of First Kings chapter 19, there we, we are told of a story between Elijah and Elisha. This is what happened. Elisha was on his farm weeding. And then Elijah too had run away from Jezebel. And then the Lord had told him to go and look for Elisha. I always said that when he met Elisha, he just removed his mantle, placed it on Elisha, and he said, follow me. Then Elisha said that, yes, my master, but then let me go and bid my family farewell, and then I'll come and then follow you. Listen, whenever you want to desire, you want to have a gift, never speak against that gift. Never speak against that gift. Because that which you don't appreciate will never appreciate in your life as well. So, whenever you want to receive a gift, and then someone is possessing that gift, you need to honor that gift. That is why, one thing I like about Gamsu is that they see you, Papa, Papa, Mama, Papa, Mama, Papa, Mama, Papa, Mama, Papa, that's tongues on its own. Papa, Mama, Papa, Mama. But then, this is what happens. This is what happens. The Papa, Mama, Papa, Mama, Papa, Mama, all that we are doing is that we are reverencing, we are honoring them. But then at times we take it overboard. People see you, Papa, I disappear. Papa, I, 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 I enter into, into, into a different realm. Papa, I somersault, I roll. Papa, I, I enter the ground. Uh, oh. Yes, but then the bottom line is that, the bottom line is that we are reverencing those that are having that gift. But then as I said, we go overboard, we go overboard, we go overboard. So, in reverencing, how do we go about this? We reverence people by one, it's mainly by, by you know, sowing seeds into their life. And by seed, we don't mean, we don't always mean money. No, money isn't the only seed. But then at times, by showing love 
to the to the purpose. Not not that one. I beg you, not the other love, not the eros. But then by showing love to them, agape, aha, by showing that kind of love to them, let them just appreciate them. Let them know that they are loved. Once in a while, you pass by Presdus Hostel. Just go and knock. Ko Yes, who is there? It's me, Ambassador. Then come in. Oh, how are you? I'm fine. What's up? I came to say hi. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? It is. So this is it. In so doing, now President will be like, oh, okay, thank you. Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? Now in praying with, in praying with you, we ends up praying for you. In praying with you, he ends up praying for you. So he ends up blessing you and then uh, praying that may the Lord increase you, may, may the Lord impact your gifts and so on and so forth. Why? Because you reverenced his gift. Ambassadors. Then again, in this reverencing, that is, that is, that is visiting, visiting a man of God with an empty hand. Hallelujah. Now the other side is that Yes, the moments let the puppets feel you. Hallelujah. By feeling, I mean that let them know that indeed there are moments in the house where the moments will bless the puppets with some stew, bless them with some banku, bless them with some food. Let them know that you, you are indeed appreciating them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I can hear some, some papa saying that, Papa, go there, go there. Someone push it, push it. Yes, by reversing people, it means that let them actually have a feel of you. Not feel like smooch you. No, not that one. Not have sexual, uh, you know, relations with you. But then let them know that indeed you are around them. Reverence their gift. Reverence their gift. So I've, I've, I've taken us through three ways in which someone can receive a gift or grace. One happens to be by desiring. Two, is then by partition. Three is by reverencing or honoring. Then the issue arises that how then are these gifts demonstrated? How then are they evidenced? How then are they manifested? Turn your Bibles with me to First Corinthians twelve. And let's quickly have a look at the nine gifts that Paul made mention there. But, but then mind you, these are not all. In Romans 12, 6 to 8, we see another set of gifts also there, which are also gifts of the Spirit. So I'm reading from KJV, verse 8. For to one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge by the same spirit. The word of wisdom here, note, I didn't say the gift of wisdom. So this is different from the gift or, or, or the grace that the Lord blessed Solomon with or that which Ahitophel had. This is different from that. It is called the word of wisdom. And then Quickly following it is the word of knowledge. When you talk of word of knowledge and word of wisdom, I want to explain them together so that we get to appreciate it and so that we can finish through with the other gifts as well. 
the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge knowledge comes as a result of information and so when you whenever you acquire knowledge it means there's some level of information that has been given to you so the word of knowledge then works with revealing mysteries of the past the present and the future but then the word of wisdom is that after the revelation has been given about the past the present and the future what then does it mean how then do i interpret it how then do i speak the mind of god concerning that which i've seen that is when the word of wisdom comes in so i'm working on campus then i happen to meet a guy then all of a sudden the guy's head changes into a vulture and let me use vulture okay fine you are saying hey, let me change it so i'm working on campus and this time i meet a lady and now all of a sudden i see that the lady has a crown on her head a crown on her head so it is the word of knowledge that has been able to reveal that to me but then watch this what then does the crown mean is it that the crown means that she is she's 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 gifted or she's from a royal home or that or that she she's blessed with something or whatsoever thing that the crown means that we need the word of wisdom so the word of wisdom then interprets what you are seeing what you are hearing what you are feeling and then it speaks the mind of god concerning that particular thing and so that's how come people see things and then they interpret them wrongly all because the word of wisdom wasn't activated in them as at the time that they had the revelation are we together all right so let's move on so that's the word of wisdom word of knowledge where the knowledge yes the, the word of wisdom word of knowledge and then um, the descendant of gifts we put them all under revelational gifts and all that but then i'll tackle those ones so let's take them one after the other now reading from verse 9 it says to another faith by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit when the bible talks of faith then again three things comes into mind the first one is that for an individual to be saved it takes faith that's why the bible says that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of god so we we, we all didn't meet jesus or is it that anyone here saw jesus in in those days no one did right in as much as none of us saw jesus by faith we, we've accepted jesus as our lord and personal savior so the first kind of faith that the bible talks about is the saving faith the saving faith that is in the book of ephesians 2 6 and 7 for by grace are you saved not of our works lest we should not of our works lest we should boast for it is the gift of god unto us so the first kind of faith that the bible talks about is the saving faith now after we've been saved the next kind of faith that comes into play is that we need to work with god and in working with god then there's another form of faith that is called the believing faith and that is what we see in the book of hebrews chapter 11 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please god so this kind of faith here that we're looking at is the believing faith then the third kind of faith is what is in here called the gift of faith with the gift of faith remember that jesus was on his way to a town came into contact with 
a fig tree. The Bible said that Jesus was hungry, but then the fig tree had no fruit on it. And now Jesus cursed the fig tree. Jesus said that you shall not bear fruit. But you know something? When Jesus said that you shall not bear fruit, the Bible said that, and the disciples who were around him were like, Abba, Jesus, this one day, Abba. We know we can do all things, but this, Abba. So, Bible said that when they left and they came back the next day, they saw that that, that tree had withered. This kind of faith is supernatural faith. This hasn't gotten to do with the believing faith, nor the saving faith. This is supernatural faith. This is a gifted faith. Said so that you can say unto a tree that you shall die, and then the tree indeed dies. But come on, welcome to here to see that. So this is a special kind of faith. That's the gift of faith. Then the next one that we're looking at is that the gift of healing. Then quickly following that one is the working of miracles. Between healing and miracles, the difference now is that, let me use myself as an example. You, you see how lovely my eyes are. I, I know it's lovely, so say yes. Thank you. When supposedly, I'm blind, supposedly. And now, someone comes and prays for me, and I gain my sight, or I'm able to see. That is a healing. Meaning that the thing was, you know, there, but then was more functioning. And now it's made to function. So that is healing. You remember that in the book of Acts, when Peter went to the beautiful gate, and there was a man there, he held him and said, get up in the name of Jesus. Now the man began to walk. That was healing. Fine. But then, in that same instance, when someone prays for me and my eyes becomes bigger like that of Lewin, that is a miracle. I hope we understand it. Uh, so now with the miracle is that the thing isn't there, but then it's made to come. Or it's made to appear. So supposedly, um, let's say, people, uh, an individual happened one leg shorter than the other. If the other leg is pulled to the same length as the other, that is a miracle. It is a miracle. Alright. Now let's move on quickly. It says to another prophecy and to another descending of spirit. When it comes to prophecy, we're looking at yet two things again. Foretell and foretell. Foretell and foretell. Foretell, meaning that to forecast, to predict, to see what is about to happen in the future. That is one aspect of prophecy. And then the other aspect of prophecy is that you foretell, you make utterances, you make declarations. That is why at times when it comes to prayer meetings, then the prayer leaders will be saying that, now prophesy over your life, prophesy over your academics, prophesy over this. That is an aspect of prophecy where you foretell, you make utterances concerning a particular thing. Okay, so in, in the book of Acts chapter 21, Agabus said that the, the owner of this ghetto, just as I've held it by my hand, so shall that individual be bound in Jerusalem. So that was forecasting. He was telling Paul what, that which lead ahead of him. And then in the book of Ezekiel, we get to understand that God asked Ezekiel that, shall these dry bones live? And he said that, and, and, and then the Lord said to Ezekiel, said, I prophesy to them. So he was asking Ezekiel to foretell, to make utterances unto them. But the bottom line of prophecy 
in as much as it's to foretell and to foretell, is that it's supposed to edify, exalt, and comfort us. By edification, to build us up. By comforting, to keep us at peace. By exhortation, is that it's supposed to advise us, counsel us, let us know the way forward. And so prophecies in general are not supposed to instill fear in us. No. It's supposed to rather comfort us and keep us at peace. The next one, the descending of gifts. Descending of gifts. Oftentimes, we are made to believe that whenever we are in church or wherever we find ourselves, every spirit around us is clean, is a clean spirit. That is not so. But then, your ability to tell the kind of spirit that is in operation is what is called the descending of gifts. So, not every spirit that you see manifesting, either in the church or outside of the church, is indeed a spirit of God. Because we've gotten to understand that spirits come in diverse forms. Fast forward, we are looking at diverse tongues and interpretation of tongues. Diverse tongues and, inter and the interpretation of tongues. Tongues happens to be one of the subjects in the church that churches have, you know, several doctrines on tongue speaking. But then, mainly, when you read the same book of First Corinthians, Paul talks about it that though I speak in the tongues of men and in the tongues of angels, so he categorizes them into, into these two main foes, the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. Then you, you read further, I guess he makes mention of the fact that though he said that he that speaks in an unknown tongue. So watch this close. The first kind of tongue that the Bible talks about happens to be in the book of Genesis chapter 11. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that and the people were of one language. Currently, I'm speaking English. And then you, are, you also understand what I'm, I'm saying, oh, because the language I'm speaking is a known tongue. Known tongue. So the first kind of tongue is the known tongue. Then the next one is that in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that, and the apostles or the disciples began to speak as the Spirit of God gave them utterances. And this utterance or these words that they were, they, they were speaking were languages that the people around could understand. And so the Bible said that then they spoke in other tongues. So this is the second kind of tongues. That is the other tongues. Other tongue. Nelson Mandela said something. He says that when you speak to a man in his native language, you speak to his heart. But then when you speak to him in a language that he understands, you speak to his head. And that kind of explains why on that day, 5,000 men were saved. All because they heard their language. They heard their language. That is plus the backing of the Holy Spirit, of course. We, we need not to neglect that one. Then the last kind of tongue that we are looking at is that the unknown tongue. Unknown tongue. The unknown tongue, that is where the interpretation comes in. The gift of interpretation comes in when we are dealing with unknown tongue. Remember that Paul said that though I speak in the tongues of men, and in the tongues of men we've gotten to understand that you are looking at the, the known tongue and then other tongue. But then the tongues of angels. Here there are two schools of thoughts to this. But then the other school of thought is it, it's just not biblical. The other school of thought believes that 
Paul was actually making reference to speaking to angels one on one. And so on this, you know, shaky foundation, some churches believe that we need to speak with angels. But that is not true. Because whenever angels appeared in, to men, they spoke in the language of men. So the Bible says that when Gabriel appeared unto Mary, he said, Hail Mary. And then Mary said, What kind of strange greeting is this? The same way, when that same angel appeared to Daniel, Daniel also made mention of the same thing. The angel said unto Daniel, that the very first day that you prayed, I was sent. So it means that angels are actually supposed to, they actually speak our language. Okay, so the angel there is figurative, meaning that it's a heavenly language, because angels are celestial beings that stay in a different realm. So the other, the other one it happens to be unknown tongue. Yes, so with the unknown tongue, it is with that one that we need the interpretation. So Paul says that if someone speaks in this tongue to edify the church and there is no interpreter, for such a person, shut him up. Why? Because he is edifying himself at the expense of the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, so let's move on quickly to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6. Romans 12, 6. We are still on diverse gifts. Romans 12, 6, 8. Romans 12, 6, down to 8. There's prophecy there of which we've explained. Ministry. Ministry, we are making reference to services service like what organized is doing like what vessels of honor did like what um, um, ushering is doing these are ministry they are, they are blessing god these are gifts that the lord gives to people at times we think that we are more spiritual than others because we speak in tongues or we are in prayer wing or we are in deliverance team but that is never the case that is never the case because no matter how spiritual you are you still come and eat isn't that so and so the apostle said that now we need men who will serve the tables for us. And these men are men full of the Holy Ghost. To serve tables. So he said they are men full of the Holy Ghost. So at every point in time, yes, service is also another point of gifting that the Lord blesses us with. Teaching, exhortation, giving. It's not everyone that knows how to give. It's not everyone that knows how to give. To be honest, there are people that when they hear a knock at their door, they quickly go and hide their food and then they spray air freshener in their room. So that the aroma in the room will quickly vanish. Then the person coming wouldn't get to know that there's something going on in the room. So not every one of us is gifted with, with this special gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's move on. So in tongue speaking, there is, there is edification of you, the individual speaking the tongues, and it's the edification of the church when it is interpreted. So let's see how then does an individual, you know, prophet when he speaks in tongues. The first thing I would want to share with us tonight is that tongue speaking, tongue speaking reveals mysteries. Tongue speaking reveals mysteries. So. When an individual speaks in tongues, the Bible says that he speaks mysteries. 
And as he's speaking mysteries, prayer in itself is a communication. So as you are speaking mysteries, mysteries are also being revealed to you. For the sake of time, I'd, w- I'd want to rush through. But then we have a look at another point there. It says that it builds you up. It builds your faith up whenever you speak in tongues. That is why we are always advised that when you are going for presentations, you are going for interviews, you are going for um, 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 quizzes, exams, and all that, speak in tongues so that you can build your faith up, you can build yourself up before you enter into the room. And then the last one is that it is also a, a sign unto unbelievers. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. When an unbeliever, someone who doesn't believe in the Holy Ghost, not to talk of the gifts of the, of the Spirit, ends up saying that you who by now, you would have been arranging the odds of, of, of football matches coming on over the weekend, for him that double chance to score what what you of all people all of a sudden you are now speaking in tongues such a person then realizes that wow then indeed there is a spirit called the holy spirit and then the next thing that i want us to look at now is that as a believer how then do you glorify god with your gift how then do you glorify god with your gift glorify means that to magnify in the in the spirit realm this is what happens glory honor and power that is the language in the spirit and so when you read the book of revelation chapter 4 you, you get to understand that the 12 elders all that they say is that glory honor power glory honor power and from there we get the song amen amen blessings and glory now this is what happens because in the spirit realm all the value is glory honor and power the devil whenever he wants to attempt people he says that i've given you riches only if you would give honor to me if only you would glorify me and so the same thing was why he did to jesus Bible said that the first thing that he, he gave him food and then he passed then the next thing is that he took him to a mountain and said that the glories of the earth and the honor and the power in it thereof has been given to me so whoever would bow to me is whom I'll give it to these three are what the spirit realm is interested in glory honor and power but then in our realm when you read Jeremiah Jeremiah said, God said to Jeremiah that let not the rich glorify in, in, his, in his riches neither should the wise glorify himself in his wisdom and then he asked the last one that let not the mighty glorify in his might but then let whoever wants to glorify himself glorify him, himself in the fact that he knows me the lord so how then do you ensure that you glorify your gifting with the lord the first thing is that first corinthians 14 verse 40 we need to manifest our gift with decency with decency by decency and orderliness we mean that yes you are anointed yes you are gifted yes you can speak in tongues yes you you have the, the gift of service you have the gift of healing you can work miracles but then always always note that there are hierarchies in the church and so submit to authority that was one thing that was happening in the church of of corinthians such that one person is gifted and so whenever let's say i am preaching then another person come and take the mic he said my friend let me preach some 
all because I'm also gifted. But then our gifts need to be manifested with all decency. Then the next thing is that we need for us to glorify God with our gift. What we need to do is that we need not to exploit the body of Christ with our gift. We need not to exploit the body of, of Christ with our gift. Someone like keyboardist, organist says that before I will play unless you give me something. And so they call themselves shabu. They move on from one place to the other so that they could get something out of it. And then papas and mamas, instead of them to bless the, the, the church with a gift, what they do is that they feed on the flock. They feed on the flock. Now another way in which people exploit members with their gift is that now someone sees a gift and someone sees um, something about an individual and instead of the person to help the person out you know it goes to him and it's like that's the earth the Lord you're about to die but then the Lord says that you need to sow a seed sow a seed of 20 cities at a time and I like MTN I don't like a 30 go now what you are doing here is that you are exploiting you are exploiting someone because of your gift the bottom line is that you have seen it but then how then you, how then uh, um, how to, uh, to glorify God with it is where the issue comes in and so it's either you manifest your gift to the edification of the church or to the glory of God or you end up manifesting your gift to other you know feed on the church or exploit the, the, the church members that is a wrong thing to do so giftings are, so, are not supposed to be abused by abusing I mean that you have a wonderful voice instead of you to join pop choir or join gamsu choir you sing in your kitchen with with your ladder you hold your ladder and then you sing and then I, there are some of us who, who are good at miming yes dancing they are very good at that and instead of them to join vessels of honor with that they, 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 they rather go on TikTok TikTok and then, and then they, they exhibit their gift in there that is wrong in that you are abusing your gift you are abusing your gift put your hand on the head and say mercy mercy lord so finally how do we ensure that the gifts that we have end up uniting the church how then do we ensure that the gifts that we have unites the church but then it doesn't scatter us? The first thing is that we need to acknowledge and honor each other's giftings. We need to acknowledge and honor each other's gifts. We need to acknowledge and then honor each other's gifts. By acknowledging, it means that, yes, I know that I have the gift of healing, but then President Andy also has the gift of um, let's say tongue speaking or, inter or interpretation of tongues and as someone we are, we are in a service then all of a sudden someone is speaking in tongues to edify us all and instead of me to allow Presdo to manifest this gift and interpret the tongues then I said no I am the chairman and so, no, I won't allow you to interpret it. Then I find my own ways of interpreting the tongues. 
and so doing we are not acknowledging the gift we are we are not giving honor to the gift we are dishonoring the gift and so such people feel offended and then they rather leave the church and we scatter the lord's flock rather than keeping us together then the last point is that we need to develop our gifts one way in which we can unite the body of christ with our gifts is that we need to de- develop our gifts everyone thinks he or she is gifted of which is very true because when he ascended upon high he gave gifts to all men so we all have gifts but then our level of gift is given according to the measure of grace so there are some some people are gifted others are gifted i don't know if you get it some are gifted others are gifted just as in in our, in our programs yes you know you are brilliant but others are brilliant so we graduate and some people are, are, are giving overall best and others too are still having truths to write. So we need to develop our gift. There are times where because of people's undeveloped gifts, they end up scattering the flock because they, they give a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy and because of that thing, people leave the church. People leave the church. And so Paul then wouldn't understand why, why Timothy isn't able to stir up the gift and so he, he says unto Timothy that stir up the gift meaning that develop the gift put it into uh, fan it into flames ensure that the gift is made active to work to, to benefit the church and so as I conclude everyone in, in this body of Christ everyone I mean everyone in the church everyone in the body of Christ everyone in the army everyone absolutely everyone has a gift you have a gift no matter how little or minute you think your gift is or undeveloped or untapped your gift is the church needs your gift the body of Christ needs your gift we need your gift so that we all will be edified but then if you decide to hold back onto your gift and I also decide to hold back onto my gift what happens to the, 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 the church is that we end up not growing we, we are made stagnant we don't develop and so tonight, the word of the Lord is coming unto us all that we need to develop our gifts. We need to seek the edification of the Spirit such that our gifts will be stirred up. Such that our gifts will be stirred up.